Download the app. Bet big, win bigger. I've got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $5, win $400. If you're a new WinBet player, you can make your first deposit of $20 or more and become eligible for the offer after opting in. Following your first deposit, you can place a minimum $5 straight bet on any spread, over, under, or money line wager with odds of minus 120 or greater and have a chance to win $400 as a free bet credit. Come on, guys and gals. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. And let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Mm. Got a pair of guests today. Ryan Rosillo. Cincinnati Bengals Sam Hubbard we've got a bunch of news to talk about today Chris and Ryan are going to talk about Tom Brady's retirement and they'll do a little mailbag Chris and Sam which that interview is brought to you by Roback Active Wear are going to talk about the Bengals to the Super Bowl the AFC Championship win over Kansas City Sam's big play at the end of that game to force overtime and we're going to quiz Sam on some lacrosse terms he used to be a lacrosse star so we'll see if he still remembers the lingo but at the beginning of today's show, we're going to talk about yesterday's biggest NFL news. I mean, that's Brian Flores' lawsuit against the NFL. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Greenlight Pod. I am. Uh, I'm going to get this show on the road to paint a picture. This is take you behind the curtain a little bit, production wise. Macon is out today. He's selling houses. Cowboy reading chair with me. Kingston behind the uh, the machines, and uh, we had two interviews. So we had Sam Hubbard, who's playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks here. Cincinnati Bengals defensive end, Ohio State Buckeye. He's a bopper. He's a f- friend of the program now fan of the program so it was good to have sam on i'm going to talk to him about joe burrow I'm going to talk to him about you know him and trey hendrickson you know he grew up a cincinnati fan this guy grew up a cincinnati fan a little lacrosse talk got Rosillo coming on in a few to talk about tom brady officially retired today we're going to talk about some of the coaching stuff and do a quick mailbag that's all good uh recorded those then we were going to do an open this is the the time where i say like hey you know you do your hellos and your layup line and that sort of thing a lot of time we do that last right cap the day off 
So I had just finished doing these two interviews and um, the Brian Flores bomb dropped and I reacted to that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you my reaction in real time because I don't have to understand. I don't have to read through the whole lawsuit. I don't have to figure the whole thing out. Like there's going to be plenty of time to talk about this. This is, this is going to go on a while. Legal stuff. I don't know if you noticed they stretched that motherfucker out. So like we will be talking about this all off season. But based on the preliminary facts, this is my reaction. This is the only way anybody's going to ever change their hiring practices. The stick, not the carrot. Everybody's trying to make it a carrot thing. You got to bust out the stick. And that's what in every situation like this should happen. And so I'm glad that Brian Flores, who, like, I haven't read any of this stuff. I'm truly reacting to this. Brian Flores is risking here he sh it shouldn't be a risk but like you can't tell me this isn't scary for him when he's showing you who they are how do you think the group that's used the rooney rule to their gain basically it's cover you got to interview a coach of color the one thing we're always, always worried about is knowing how serious they are and this is we're talking about one of the best coaches in the cycle period one of the best coaches in the cycle period happens to be a black man, and he's being used uh, to check a box. How do you think every other coach that hasn't had a gig feels? And obviously, as a sidebar, the Dolphins, you know, like who, who ran him out of town, if they were losing intentionally, um, and there's documentation of that, that owner should never be able to own a team again. I mean, he should have to sell his team. Now, I know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but these owners are fucking bulletproof. Okay, Dan Snyder hasn't been run out of Washington yet. This guy, Stephen Ross, he shouldn't be able to, to own a team anymore, if this is true, okay? And it doesn't sound like it's something hard to prove because you don't go out on a limb like this without documentation. It sounds like he's got the documentation. Yeah, Matt? Yeah, he's represented by one of the most prominent civil rights attorneys in the country. And it's important to remember that he's not lodging the lawsuit only on behalf of himself, but on behalf of all coaches of color. And when you read through the entire lawsuit and read all of the instances that they put forth, not just about B-Flow, but like, you know, the double standard treatment of Steve Wilkes, discriminatory treatment of David Culley, no opportunities provided to Chris Richard, uh, Eric Bieniemy cannot get a head coach job, Terrell Austin never given a chance. Like when they put it right. all listed out in this lawsuit, it's pretty damning. Well, it's not even, you don't even need to try to, you know, find examples that haven't happened that you think should happen like just look at the numbers again we've talked about attacking the pipeline we've talked about the fact that these coaches are oftentimes steered these african-american coaches are steered into position groups that are not going to have those opportunities uh you know they're not quarterback coaches they're not o-line coaches they're not linebacker coaches these are the key pipeline position groups that catapult people to the top they've been kept out of these position groups and it probably is going to get harder there's going to be some teams guaranteed that their strategy internally is going to be like we don't talk about who we're going to hire like we have to keep that tighter that's going to be the that's going to be the takeaway like these owners they're bulletproof they get to do whatever they want in every way in their life and so how do you think they feel when somebody's telling them how to run their most valued asset we had nine uh, head coaching openings this offseason. Mm -hmm. Four of those places have been filled. The Raiders, Broncos, Bears, and Giants mm -hmm. all hired. 
Uh, so five remaining head coaching positions to go. We'll see how they're filled if that number of one black head coach goes up. Well, it just sucks because now it feels like, and there's no other way to do it, but it, you, anything that happens in the next year or two, I'm going to be skeptical of these guys. Like, are you doing it for the right reason? Like, are you doing it just to check a box now? It's a lot like these companies out of last summer. All of a sudden, they got black actors in their commercials. Like, all of a sudden, we got, like, you really needed that to know that racism's a problem, that underrepresentation's a problem, to know that all these things are a problem. So, again, it's unfortunate that even the people that do the right thing now, I'm going to be skeptical of because they've shown me who they are as owners and as a, as a league. Like, this is unfortunate on so many fronts. And, and one of the worst parts is even if we take incremental steps forward, I'm going to doubt the intention of the people calling those shots, which you might sit here at home and be like, well, that's fucked up. You got to give people a chance to change. We haven't been whispering about this thing. So this is going on. You're talking about corruption down in Miami, talking about tanking, which is tanking in football. Our lives are shortened because of what we're doing out there. Like our life expectancy is shorter and people know that walking around i was at a fucking chiropractor's office yesterday talking about this with a chiropractor like the gal in the waiting room knows our average lifespan okay i've been on losing teams to think that at certain points to open the door up in my head to think that at certain points there was an owner telling somebody like lose more and I'm out there risking my livelihood to do that. It makes me mad. It makes me like very mad. This ain't like trust the process. It's not tanking in the NBA. I'm sorry. Those fucking guys work hard, but there's a difference. Totally different. It's totally different. Their at risk You're playing with the average career is three and a half years. You know how fucked up that is to leverage, you know, every guy on that roster's future. Because here's the problem with losing football. It's not just the losing in a vacuum, it's also the, the future earning potential of the players that were attached to this bullshit. You know, how many guys are in their contract year and so on and so forth. It just blows. And then, you know, beyond that, the corruption in an even higher level, denying people employment based on the color of their skin. I mean, they, they, these owners should be ashamed of themselves. They really should. And I'm not doing some Mount Pius bullshit. This is easy to be upset about, dude. This is easy to be upset about. These white coaches, white executive, white GMs, white owners, they've sat in meetings with these guys, man. I've fucking sat in meetings with, with these guys. Some of the best coaches I ever had were coaches of color. A lot of them played. It's just a terrible look for the NFL. And now, as an aside, everybody's going to say, like, you commentate or you podcast about a sport that's just corrupt like it's just a fucked up business whether it was like racial injustice and collard kaepernick whether it's cte stuff whether it's this coaching stuff like we look bad dude we look really bad as a league the nfl kind of has a history of quietly settling these types of lawsuits you know i would like to see as long as the allegations in this lawsuit are correct that Flow refused to settle and let's see this in court the 100k offer per loss is honestly just infuriating on so many levels because it like it ruins B-Flow's career as well because he looks like a bad coach. And guess what? This is how good a coach B-Flow is. B-Flow has won a bunch of games in Miami despite all that. Like despite that, despite not having the quarterback that he wanted, despite 
you know, playing in division with Josh Allen and fucking Bill Belichick, and he's found a way to win games. We thought on its head the firing was incredible. Like, I was incredulous. And now it's like, dude, give this guy any job he wants. Getting offered to lose games. This is out of a movie. It's out of a movie. It's out of a bad, it's out of a sports movie. Not a bad sports movie, but it's, it's stuff that I thought only existed in plots. Also in the lawsuit... After the end of the 2019 season, Mr. Ross began to pressure Mr. Flores to recruit a prominent quarterback in violation of the league's tampering rules. Mr. Flores repeatedly refused to comply with these improper directives. Undeterred in the winter of 2020, Mr. Ross invited Mr. Flores onto a yacht for lunch. Shortly after he arrived, Mr. Ross told Mr. Flores that the prominent quarterback was conveniently arriving at the marina. Obviously, Mr. Ross had attempted to set up a purportedly impromptu meeting between Mr. Flores and the prominent quarterback. Mr. Flores refused the meeting and left the yacht immediately. After the incident, Mr. Flores was treated with disdain and held out as someone who was non-compliant and difficult to work with. These are two separate, you know, tanking and racism in the NFL. They're two separate problems, but the, where the Venn diagram overlaps, and it's a big overlap, is it's the ego of these owners, man. And so if you think that the Rooney rule or anything you try to change is going to be changed any other way than the stick and not the carrot, you're mistaken. Fucking ridiculous. This league just can't get it right. Just can't get it right. It's a great game, dude. It is a great game. It's a dangerous game, you know, but it's one that we all love. Can we just stop it at dangerous? Can we... Can we leave the racism off, the corruption, the, the, the tanking, like the cover-ups, whatever? Like, can we just stop at dangerous? It's hard enough to convince people that we're not like fucking just barbarians out there. I mean, the, the whole organization's criminal if this stuff is, is, is prevalent, which it's hard not to believe it is. So obviously you can tell how I feel. I mean, like, it pisses me off, the whole thing. The only thing that I've thought about in the meantime since we stopped, Reed, was that maybe Bill didn't send uh, the text on accident. You think he was trying to help Brian Flores move this lawsuit along? Well, I don't know, but Darius Butler retweeted somebody or he he pulled a, a gif from somebody who I had seen tweet that, uh, you know, Bill Belichick is a, is admittedly a Curb Your Enthusiasm fan, and um, Larry David has the text thing, the, you know, where he sends an accidental real text. I forget which season that was, the yeah, fairly the, recent one. They're on the golf Ac- course? The accidental text on purpose. Accidental text on purpose. This would be a perfect and maybe the most heroic accidental text on purpose of all time. He wanted to do it in like some covert way, is what this guy said. I think his, his name on Twitter was Machado. Mm-hmm. Um, My only issue with that theory is that Belichick owes so much to the ownership group of the Giants. Like, he's got that history with them. Right, but maybe he's into doing the right thing. You know, maybe he's like, I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. They fucked with Brian Flores. He's one of my favorite coaches. I don't know, dude. We're going to find out a lot about this. So I don't want to go get out over my skis, but again, the, the Larry David theory was floated by a guy named... Machado TM. Machado TM. His tweet was Bill Belichick confirmed curb your enthusiasm fan. No chance he would make that mistake accidentally. Because Bill could have played that off too. He could have said, Oh, I think you've got the job. And then, you know, B Flow would have had no idea. So Bill ultimately did the right thing in telling him and knew by telling him that there was probably some 
some uh, period of time between the mistake and then the explanation, um, you could look at the text message to probably ascertain how far apart, you know, the, hey, I fucked up. I meant Brian Dable, thought it was texting Brian. He probably thought about, you know, the ramifications of letting B-Flow know that. If, he knows the rules. Timeline, if, if all of these texts went concurrent, Belichick's first text, 2.30 p.m., sounds like you've landed, congrats, and then uh, 4.51 was the, sorry, I fucked this up. And if all the texts in between those were concurrent and right on top of each other. You would think Bill would know the ramifications of sending that text yep. and letting him know that they had already selected a coach uh, who was white and... Um, you know, the Broncos thing, which I just read a little bit more about it. This is right before they hired Fangio. And, you know, you got guys stumbling in drunk to interview him. Not guy, like John Elway. John Elway. I mean, no, but I'm saying like it, you could tell, though, that it ain't just John that was right. checked out of that meeting. Mm -hmm. That whole group, that was a shell meeting. And this happens all the time. And I know people are going to say, well, this is a problem with the Rooney rule because you're forcing these teams into situations where they wouldn't be doing this otherwise and they wouldn't be you know, misleading. But that's obviously the take of somebody who's ignoring the context that frames the need for a fucking Rooney rule. Okay, look at the numbers. I've argued with people on this one and I will argue no more with people on this one. Like this has become a sky is blue thing. Okay, the sky's blue because it's very clear that there is a barrier for black coaches in the NFL and the tanking thing. I already did a whole thing on that. You just heard it, so I'll, 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 I'll sleep on it and I'll yell some more the next podcast. But Stephen Ross, man, see ya. See you later, buddy. See you later. And it'll be interesting to see if he does in this lawsuit. The lawsuit alleges that Stephen Ross, the owner, was ready to break NFL tampering rules. That he was full into oh, yeah. just. So, will he? What will his ramifications be if this lawsuit is proved? Is true? it like? Is it like a guy that's trying to sell somebody drugs and the person turns it down? Like, it's is it a crime to try to sell drugs? Mm -hmm. Like, is he gonna? Is he gonna? Is there gonna be a loophole here? Because be floated. Like, I'm just curious how he gets out of this. Yes. Uh, because you know that if there's a way to get these guys out of it, they're going to. Yep. They're going to. Just um, total corruption. And Freddie Gibbs on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, Brian that. Flores jumped off Black History Month the right way. B-Flow, dude. I, it's funny because he's going to get a lot of praise, so this is going to be a very, a very interesting. He's doing something incredibly brave and difficult and, and serious, but like he deserves to be celebrated, and we deserve to say, like, fuck yeah, B-Flow. Like, so it's a serious thing. There's a fight ahead and like people need to jump on board and support him. But at the same time, like I feel a little hope too because a guy stood up and mm -hmm. now all the white people have to take the baton and support uh, B-Flow and black coaches and, and, and really kind of hold the league accountable as consumers of the league. Like we have to let people know that this shit's not okay. I doubt we do it, but uh, we'll be there's an see. opportunity. All right, well, let's talk to Ryan Rosillo, um, who I talked to before I learned about this this whole thing. So, again, this is before everything changed and everything has changed. 
It's going to be a long offseason for the NFL. It's really that time of year, and your team might finally do it. This year, Super Bowl 56 is in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, February 13th. You can scour resellers to buy an overpriced ticket closer to the day. Of course you can. Or you can lock in the Super Bowl experience of a lifetime now with our friends at On Location. True 50-yard line seats, only available with On Location. An invite to celebrate on the field with the champs, On Location. Yes, you want to craft a perfect confetti angel just like I did? Go to the game with On Location. And it's not just about game day. From dinner with NFL legend Marcus Allen to pregame parties featuring acoustic sets from Wyclef, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is offering you the most exclusive ticket packages available. Visit onlocationexp.com forward slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. That's Super Bowl on location. My friend Ryan Rosillo is joining us. He's got a uh, chain on. Is that a Joe Burrow nod? Uh, no, it's um, it's cold and snowy back back home in the Northeast. So just ice everywhere, ice here. Just <laughs> Dude, so, so you really own a, a nice is a nice chain. I mean, it's pretty decent. It is a nice. It is a nice chain. It better be. Is there a story that you shared on this chain, or is this a is this like a secret, is this a secret <laughs> chain? No. No, well, I was pretty excited to talk to you about it and a couple select people because there was other people I never wanted to let them know what happened. But I'd always wanted a chain, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was in New York City. Like I just moved to Soho for a week, and on paper it was like the greatest idea ever. And then after like four or five days, I was like, "This is sort of inconvenient. Like you have a pretty good setup at home, and now you're in a hotel bed taking notes with legal pads." hoping the right NBA game is on. And then I don't care who you are, how wired you are when, when you're 12 hours of NFL football in a bed, because there's not a ton of room to operate. It's tough to lock in the same way. So um, part of the process, I had a bunch of things going on, just taking care of business NBD. But I was like, you know what I want to do is I want to go into the diamond district and I want to see what it's like. And I want to buy a chain. And I, <laughs> I'm like, okay, just, you know, I'm kind of going through my own mental Rolodex of preparing myself because I don't like to do anything unless I'm educated on it. You know, like if I'm buying a watch, I'm pretty educated on it. If I'm going to do something, you know, real estate, I'll, I'll research over and over and over again. So you kind of, and I was like, this is so flying blind. Like, I think most of the things in my life, I've, I've gotten a good gauge and like what is or what isn't. And this one, I was like, I have literally no idea. So I get out of the car and there's a nude guy pissing in front of cars in, right by the, the shop there. So it was like right in the heat of the, of the city. I was like, here we go. <laughs> and when you walk by the Diamond District stores, you start looking in. You're like, oh, look, there's there's a Rolex. You know, there's a paddock. There's, you know, here's, this is insane. And then you see all the chains. And I go, I have no clue, like none, zero concept. Is this a good price? Is this a bad price? So I'm expecting to do fucking terrible in this transaction. And I would say after eight chains, an hour, two, two coat put on moves. You smelled like leave. metal. Your neck smelled like metal. You were sweating. <laughs> yeah. They were eight they, to 10 chains. I go, look, I don't want to waste your time. We're at it. We're at a number that's beyond what I wanted to do here, folks. And the guy's like 380 carats, dude. He goes, I'm doing, what are you talking about? And then the girl was like, if you buy that chain, we're going out tonight, baby. And I was like, it was just on. They have a closer. They have a closer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she was smoking. I mean, it was just all 
all angles. And, you know, we went back and forth and I, again, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of the two, Hey guys, it's been really great. It's been educational, but I'm just not comfortable. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not comfortable anymore. Throw on the jacket, go to leave. Got to throw the jacket. Hold on. I did it twice. And I told them, I actually, I thought this was very disarming. So for all you chain enthusiasts out there in the future, in the beginning, I go, I'm not going to pretend I know what I'm doing because you guys can already tell that I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. All right. So when you tell me a price and you say what it is, it doesn't mean anything to me. I have a number in my head. I will look at it and I need a bunch of comps. And I got to see it all. And after you give me your price, I'm going to go next door and I'm going to see if their price is the same as your price. And the guy was like, well, that's my cousin. So I'm just going to call him anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, the lady's like this one. You like this chain. I can see you like this chain. Twenty eight thousand. And I go, I have no idea if that's a good price or not. Zero. No I go, it means clue, nothing dude. to me. I go, it means nothing to me. It sounds pretty expensive. So I go, but I don't really like it. It's kind of thin, whatever. <laughs> and uh, she goes, uh, 20,000 then. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, <laughs> I've been here 30 seconds and you dropped it almost 30%. So I was like, now I'm like, she's like, what do you think a good price would be for? She goes, what, what would be a good price? What would be a good price for you? Fair price. I was like, I don't know. You just went from 28 to 20 in 30 seconds. 15? She yeah. goes, we do 15. I go, well, now I definitely don't want it. It's half. You said yes to 15 in 10 seconds. <laughs> I go, this doesn't make any sense. And then she goes, okay, okay. And then she brings me to another guy's, misses a couple of teeth, great glasses, suit, not super Tebow fit, but you know, he's had a he's had it a while. He's waiting for it to cycle back. And so he looks at the chain, pulls it out. He goes, you like this chain. You hear you like this chain. He goes, you have credit card? I'm like, well, look, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I do have a credit card. My parents let me have one. So he goes, 9,000. We do it right now. Give me a credit card. And I go, now I don't want it. I go, it's 28 to 9,000. You give me credit card. I was like, I'm out. I'm out on the whole transaction. Just came off like a this. dead guy. Yeah. So then he was like, oh, you go next door then. You don't like my chains. I well, like, I dude, I got to gotta hand it to you. Only a few people could fly blind and and find their their way out of a jewelry store with a chain at a good value i presume uh well, we don't know that i could have gotten you. fucking hosed still you could have so, got hosed you, know, you could have got hosed okay so today i didn't plan this new england guy brady yeah. officially retires um now new england guy with a chain brady retires he's like the whole espn shit storm the last couple of days with the sourcing first off what do you make of the sourcing thing because i don't know if we've talked about this it never made sense to me. It made sense to me that Schefter did it, like, but it didn't make sense to me that Darlington was involved because it seems that Darlington, Inner Circle, why would you do that? What do you make of how that went down on a sourcing level? Like, You have an insight that most people don't. Darlington's timeline with Brady is impeccable. All right, Darlington was out there telling everybody that wanted to hear it that Brady was gone. And he said it before everybody else, and he caught all sorts of shit. Uh, I've had Darlington on my podcast and asked him about it. And, you know, he's probably a little more vague on the air than he would be off the air, but he's Mm -hmm. worked his way into the inner circle. I don't believe that's what this was. Um, I think what happened here was it wasn't a friend of of Brady's betraying him. I think Brady taped his man in the arena thing and there was going to be a retirement announcement. This is what I've been told by a couple of people. I'm not sure if I'm right or not. And it was a huge miscalculation that you could tape some sort of segment announcing maybe the biggest sports news of the NFL year and that somebody wasn't going to tell somebody. I mean, people like to tell people shit. I mean, people like to tell people shit that isn't even right. Right. And so if Jeff had it, I knew he'd heard it from somebody. I don't know what element of it got to him, but then I think Schefter 
you know, it seems to be at times there'll be reports where, you know, I don't want to, it's almost like if Schefter has it, then it's an extra stamp of approval. But my guess, my strong guess would be, um, guess would be that Darlington was tipped off to this first because somebody knew what Brady had taped. Right. Um, so if Brady was going to try to hold this huge announcement with a couple people having access to it two weeks before it was going to air, good luck. Yeah, that. exactly. I mean, people were going to like riot. How did you announce your retirement? Uh, picture on Twitter, just a picture of a, a red solo cup because I was drinking a beer and I had some people over. So when I did my retirement, it was the summer of 2019. It was after my last year. And I was thinking about coming back. I was really close. And I just said, decided, fuck it. So I called a bunch of people. I was like, let's have a party. Because I knew if people came up to have a party on my farm, like I wouldn't be able to chicken out. Because I was kind of like, you know, I got to get over the edge. And once everybody got there, I stepped outside for a little bit, took a picture, sent the tweet, and walked back in, inside and had fun. Um, there's no perfect way to retire. And Brady, obviously, his legacy is way bigger than us mere mortals. And he has a lot to kind of contend with I just thought that I never imagined him not having a victory lap I never imagined him not having a not you know we all knew Ben would that's a certainty Ben would will that to happen even if it was like a lap around Heinz Field after a meaningless football game late in the year I thought Brady might have a farewell tour kind of surprising to me I uh, I don't know I, I it's funny because like I grew up with the farewell tours like I remember Kareem getting gifts and then yeah. the magic and Larry Bird night and it was just awesome and he thought it was great and then it felt like it got played out a little bit, or maybe I just got more cynical as I got a little bit older. So I think it's almost like the public win when you don't do the tour now. I think the tour approval rating is lower than it's ever you been. You think? Yeah, I do. I can also understand the athlete. Like, if I'm ready to go play a game, I don't want to sit there at halftime, like, or, you know, be at the 50 yard line before kickoff for eight road games or nine road games going, hey, all right, cool. You know, I'm leaving. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, here's, here's a, Here's a gift card to deep sea fishing from the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> right? exactly. You know, because there's going to be some franchises that feel like they're obligated to do something. The Brady thing, it just something changed between his comments or I don't believe he started the year thinking he was done. And I don't know if it was just a glimpse into the future without, you know, somebody who can take the top off the defense with an injury to Chris Godwin. I don't know if he just kind of had enough or something in his personal life. And I'm not going to speculate, but um, I guess that's what I'm already doing. I, I just thought there would be more, more than a, a thread on Twitter. And I wonder if the sourcing moved that kind of timing up. And the thread, I mean, interestingly enough, no mention of anybody in New England. I have an idea of why that is. I think it's fairly obvious. Why do you think there's no mention of New England? I kind of want to hear your answer first. You played with him. Well, I think he probably signs with the Patriots and does a one-day deal and does a whole, like, proper press conference you know yeah i don't think the relationship is perfect but that would have to be very fractured for brady who's a very calculated person to leave them off knowing that he wants to maintain the relationship with those fans the players i mean it was like a flood as soon as the sourcing came in countless dudes around the league taking those pictures and most of them wore new england uh uniforms so obviously he wants to maintain a good relationship with that organization, the fans. I don't think he'd just completely say, hey, fuck these guys. It doesn't make any sense where he'd want to say, fuck these guys. But I thought maybe it was just the first part of like, I'm going to do this today and then I'll do something else later. Um, but I also think it may have been a little reminder as a guy that is really wired to be competitive, ruthlessly competitive. Every time I hear a new story about Brady, 
I'm like, holy shit, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you don't even share that many with me. So it's not like I know them through you. No. And I've, I've been vague. You're, you're like a, a vault. So you don't tell me as much stuff as people think, but I'll say that is funny, right? Cause I was there a year. I'm like, you know, there's other people that he could probably talk to. It was like when Lane Johnson came to, to when I was in Philly with Lane and Lane said, it's not fun in new England. And everybody was like, Chris Long's in his ear. I'm like, no, I'm not. They have a reputation. Yeah. There's thousands of guys that have played there that you could talk to. Yeah, I, that to me is one of the dumbest things ever. It's like we win all the time, but it's not that much fun. Or yeah. like the Reggie Wayne story about if like one practice, he was like, this practice was harder than anything we ever did in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, that must be awesome then. Mm-hmm. Like, let's fucking go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I'm good. I was just, I was, I was way happier with just getting a hundred balls a year and, you know, some, well, I some mean, easy run. If you've been, if you, it's a hard place to go play when you're not hungry anymore or, yeah. you know, less hungry than you were earlier in your career. So the trade off is once you get there as an older player, like you're going to have to shovel some relative shit. But as long as you know what the, the, the transaction is about. And you got no issue with it. So back to Tom, though, is that I do feel like I don't know how you could be him and have the only scenario in the NFL that existed where Brady would actually be in another team. There's no other franchise where this would have happened. And it happened there. And we can point to certain things look look like he was declining a bit because I Mm -hmm. think they're real and I think they're fair. But no other franchise lets this guy go put on another uniform, him still being at that level, especially with no solution. Okay. This isn't like you just spent three first rounders on Trey Lance right. and you're ready to go and Trey right. is crushing it with his reps. This was a year where you had no solution, where Cam was even worse than he was in Carolina. Um, you know, Stidham wasn't the answer. And then it, you kind of may have lucked into Mac, but I think Mac, you know, year one was nice. We'll see what it means. So, I would never rule out with Brady, and I think you'd agree with this, is that maybe it's calculated and that there's something bigger, but it also could be a slight, you know, let me just remind you, even though we've heard the relationships a little bit better, you know, so I don't I don't know all the intimate details of it all, but to leave them out, like, I still think there's going to be a moment where if Brady's having a couple beers with his buddy and he's like, can you imagine Belichick fucking doubting me and I win a Super Bowl in the first mm-hmm. year with Tampa, mm-hmm. that conversation has to, I would bet money, any amount of money that that conversation has ha- happened. And he's, and he's laughed his head off about yes. how well it went for him. So. Absolutely. And and I was going through some stuff, you know, pertaining to his career. Part of the thing that stands out, and this isn't like a hot take, is he had multiple Hall of Fame careers. He had multiple stages, multiple phases, you know, like he, the Randy Moss stage, you know, you've got the the young funny looking Brady before his face changed gradually over the years, like who, who they were winning on defense. You have obviously before that even happened, I bartended at a place called the place in Boston. And one of the beer cart girls was like, dude, Brady fucking asked me out wasted one night. I said, no, (laughs) like, well, you're good for you. Right. Like Congratulations. When he, was, when, he, when he was, is this guy going to get cut Tom Brady? Like yeah. not playing? Yeah. Like, and again, I don't know. He was probably out with all the guys. It was a spot where a lot of NFL guys wanted to hang out. Steve Jobs the, wanted to give me Apple stock. I said no. <laughs> no. But she'd be like, whatever. He asked me out. We're like, dude, well, now he's won three Super Bowls in four <laughs> years and you're still giving out beers. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. 
I think he's won the transaction. I don't know if she would have hung on, just judging by the accent. He may have he may have upgraded at some point. Not to say that she wasn't perfect. So, that, so okay, before we do the be- favorite phase of Brady's career on the field, then you know the whole picture chart of, you know, picture day Brady, you know, there's 12 of them. His face changes the whole time. You know, um, is there any of those pictures that you think you or I are better looking than? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I think when he looks like non-PED Lou Ferrigno early on. Yeah. I think I'm better looking. You than think him. you're better looking than young Brady? <laughs> yeah. And then once he started upgrading uh, the companionship, I don't know what it is. Like, what's the skin routine? Like, if I don't you date know. A model, when you date a model, does it make you hotter? I would think I would look way worse. But Right, because you're standing next to her. He's like Don Draper presence uh-huh. as he's closing his, his two-decade run. I'm looking at like uh, you know like early Brady, and it's just incredible that this guy ended up at the Met Gala looking like a, a, a Marvel <laughs> villain. It's just incredible. I mean, this guy deserves a lot of credit for what he did on the field, but also for what he did to his, his like you know his face. It looks okay. Awesome. Give me give me this because you you and I have not really talked about this much. I don't even know if you ever hung out with him when you were there. Like you not off the, not off the out of the facility. Not once. You didn't hang out with Brady once. No, but you know, like, no, I didn't hang out with anybody, really. Like, the closest thing I ever did to hang out with somebody famous was, like, on the offensive side of the ball was, you know, like, uh, Gronk had to borrow something and walked over to my house. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know, is that... What did Gronk have to borrow? I I don't remember, but it was was like 10 o'clock at night in a snowstorm. No, I don't (laughs) fucking care. You know, if Gronk borrows something, you, you expect to have given it to him you know it's like i'm not expecting gronk to remember um but honestly brady and i never hung up hung out i thought he was awesome and he was really cool to me i've talked about that at length but my proudest moment was when i went to the super bowl after i played and i ran into him in in like uh kind of like in the valet area outside of a hotel and i wasn't going to come up and say anything because that's kind of like you know it's like fuck every everybody that played with brady wants to take five minutes of his time he's with giselle who I'd never met. And he actually made eye contact with me and kind of like walked over to meet me and introduced me to Giselle. He said, this is Chris Long. I love this guy. We won a championship. I'm like, this is great. Tom Brady loves me. Like that's my, that's my career's work culminated in one interaction. He actually, he actually eye contact introduced me to Giselle and then said he loved me. I'm good. We're good here. The goat. He was super gracious. I I love Tom Brady. Love you back. Tom. You are so humble. Everybody likes you. All right. And there's no reason that Tom Speak Brady for the like, motherfuckers in this, in this, in this building. <laughs> no, but I would say but people oh, outside oh, your workplace. Okay. Uh, okay. I know you love Sam Bradford, so it's going to be tough. Sam. So Sam's your guy. Yeah. Uh, and Sam, Sam is a great in a setting. Cause you're just like, he's hanging out. He's you know, hanging out. Not, you know, exactly. No, yeah. There's no drama. There's never going to be anything. You know like, what Sam just, Bradford wants and what he doesn't want by the look on his face. And that is what I'm into. You know, right. just somebody who just, you know, I, I know exactly when not to, to fuck with you about something. Right. No secrets in Sam Bradford's face, but I would say that you would agree that Tom, despite the superhero status is still a guy's guy, which Regular. is really hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. NBA guys at his level can't be normal. <laughs> that's why I still that's why I still love Durant because I think Durant at the very core of regular, everything just regular guy. loves loves playing basketball. 
Like I fucking love getting shots up. Like if he sees a hoop somewhere, he'd be like, I'm just going to get some shots up. So I think Tom still has some of that. Uh, maybe that's status quo. Like, again, I don't really, I met him two times. He would never remember in a million years. Did he love you? Time. No, no, no. I'm no, just no. fucking with you. <laughs> no. He but, loved me. He loved me. He loves me, dude. He's, he's my I, guy. The other thing I've heard too is that Giselle's the best. Has that to be. She's so cool that she's like totally gets what the deal is and makes everybody else feel welcome. Where like everybody's like without knowing her, she's actually the opposite. Like the assumption that she's a supermodel of Brazil, like I'm, it's my husband, like leave me alone. She's yeah. the opposite. And then yeah. everybody that I, again, I have some friends that are sort of on the periphery of things at times who've told me she is the fucking best. Yeah. She, so she I, always seems super gracious and super, they're yeah. just a nice couple, man. And so I wish them the best in the future. I mean, like it's got to feel so good to say, I don't even know what he's going to do next. I mean, like obviously spend time with his kids, his wife, but this guy could do any number of things. Is it going to be a production studio? Is it going to be like launching a blockchain? Like, what do you got? Because I asked Steve the other night, and he said, Stanford Steve said, maybe he's going to be James Bond. Like, what do you think is next for, for Tom Brady? A guy? The next James Bond? I don't like this. You don't like that one? <laughs> I, don't like I would say production company, because if there's anything I've learned about how people get paid is if you just start a production company, you just get paid like five times more what you normally would. Should we call this a production company? I think you we have called it a production company. Where the fuck company. is the five times? <laughs> I can't really. So um, that's pretty good. All right. So one quick note, you know how people always get mad. Well, they, they always give uh, the Pats a lot of credit for draft or drafting him. And I, I don't give the Pats much credit. Although there was one guy in that building, God rest his soul that uh, since passed away, I can't remember his name. He was a scout that obviously they made a big deal about it. He wanted Brady. But on the other side of things, you know who doesn't get shit on enough for not picking Tom Brady? The Cleveland Browns, man. 16 picks before Brady, they drafted Spurgeon Win. 16 picks. Tom was the last quarterback drafted. I don't think we make a big enough deal about that. Of all teams to miss out on Brady, they're the ones with the CVS receipt of quarterbacks post-2000. And they missed out on Tom Brady. Yeah, you know what I always love after the fact, and this happens literally all the time. Every I just looked it up right now. Okay, so you talk about the Pat Scout that wanted Brady. Yes, Dick and Rabin. Dick Rabin. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there you Patriots go. Okay. quarterback coach. Yep. Good stuff, Macon. Thank you. No, it's Cowboy. <laughs> we can act like it's Macon. It's Cowboy Reed. Macon's out today. Selling oh. real estate. Oh, wait. Okay. Did you think, Mac- like- <laughs> Did- holy shit, you think their voices are the we, same too? Well, to be fair, I didn't say hi when, when yeah, you introduced true. I didn't yeah, say yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was Macon and I went, I'm kind of wearing the chain ironically, but whatever coffee house fucking Portlandia looked at Macon has going on now, I'm, I'm not going to say Oh, anything. so maybe you laughed when he sat down because you thought Macon was dressed up as a fucking guy at a fish market, but it's just Cowboy Reed. Yeah, I like it now. Before, like, <laughs> before with make, I, when I thought you were making, I went, "What the fuck is he doing?" Well, then, uh, <laughs> when you thought it was making, were you surprised that making didn't give you didn't chime in on the chain talk? Yeah, he would have dominated. The right, right. He would have been all in on that. I would have just figured he was jealous because <laughs> I got the perfect length too, which is also tricky. But back to the football stuff. When I googled <laughs> scout that wanted Brady. There's like seven other teams that go, yeah, we actually wanted him. And it's one of my favorite things about having any access to any, clearly with me more on the NBA side, but after a guy is good and the team fucks it up, there's always the guy that will go, 
Yeah, we. I. I was. I was. Dolphins this Do- week. Dolphins, the Dolphins. That's right. This week, with we Joe would have Burrow. traded all three first rounders for the Bengals. Per source. Yeah. yeah. Per source. Per Chris Greer. Justin Herbert was still available. Yeah, you could have fucking picked Justin <laughs> Herbert, but let's make some. You know. Um, I don't know. You were gonna say though. There's always a guy. There's like six guys. The Browns. The Browns, though, don't get enough heat for that. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, the guy, the, the, the Brady thing is is kind of bullshit. Like the the story of, you know, he didn't play at Michigan. He lost his job. That's always been overrated. And it's bullshit. Go look at the snap count stuff. Um, yeah, there was a little drama with it, but whatever. And, you know, we focus on the wrong things with quarterback. And he's one of the best examples of it. You know, lack of arm strength. He's a terrible athlete. But there's difference between being a good athlete and being mobile inside the pocket. During his prime, he had the best pocket awareness of anyone I've ever seen play the position. Yep. All he had to do was move up a little bit, roll his shoulders forward. He was nuts. I got to know a guy out here who worked out with him, who wasn't really working out with him, but was telling me about his workout thing. And, you know, there's a reason. There's a reason that he figured it all out. We used to kind of laugh at, like, the diet and all those different things. But, you know, he was out there 44 doing something that's never been done. So forget the resume. The fact that he was still doing it this late, and I know we probably didn't we didn't plan on doing a thirty minute Brady Love Fest, but if anybody deserves it, it's him. Yeah, no question. I mean, we had to do something, and I, I said this the other day, just what you talked about. His pocket mobility was the reason I thought after that game he could play another five years. You know, the balls were still on target. I mean, he didn't have his best game, um, but this year he he looked really good, and he didn't get hit a lot this year. He There's didn't one get hit a lot. Yeah, the cleanest he's been in ten years is one place. You know, and he was moving really well. He moved to make plays like vintage Brady. Now, obviously, not quite as quick or anything like that, but I was surprised by this. So, whatever's next for him, uh, best of luck. And I will be posting a picture on Instagram. The um, the 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 prerequisite. I I know Tom Brady. I've been six feet or less away from him. I will be posting that picture later today. Uh, I'm going to airbrush myself into it. Hold, yeah, hold me to that, too. Yeah, I'll airbrush you into it. You're the perfect guy to, to answer a question about Jim Harbaugh because you, you follow the college stuff really closely. You also follow the pros. He's actually interviewing again in Minnesota. National mm-hmm. Signing Day, like, what's going on here? I think he's leveraging. I mean, he's up for a new deal at Michigan. Like, does he really want to go back to the pros? Okay, uh, from the outside, I would have agreed with you because I'd be like, maybe he's just leveraging this because he lost all that money. Remember, Harbaugh at one point, I think, was making more than any other coach. I think he was like touching nine with bonuses in a certain year. Uh, they're still winning 70% of the game. They're not being Ohio State. They're not in big enough bowl games, even though I still think his run at Michigan was better than people were uh, talking about it. You know, when you raise the stakes, which Harbaugh does beyond other guys, who's got it better than us for making videos and all this shit? It's like, cool, you're losing to Michigan State and Ohio State every year. And, you know, we're supposed to be in a playoff. All right, well, then it finally happens. Remember prior to this year, he renegotiated his contract. Because my point was always this. If he's happy at Michigan and Michigan's happy with him, despite not beating Ohio State, which Michigan doesn't beat Ohio State anyway, plenty right. of guys can do it before he got there. Right, um, exactly. Right, like, so you're kind of doing the same thing with a guy that's a little flashier and a bigger name. If you guys are happy with each other, then I'm I'm cool with it. And he took a massive pay cut. He went from like eight annually to four but almost made it all back on the bonuses because he beats Ohio State, wins the Big Ten, Big right. Ten championship game, and then plays in the playoff. If this were just about leverage, Chris, and wanting to get a deal back to what he was doing before, it would make sense, except apparently he gave all the bonus money back to the athletic program. Uh-huh. So if that's what he did, was like, hey, all the bonus money, whatever. Like if he was about every single dollar 
Would he have done that in the one year? Where well, he's maybe he could have his cake and eat it too. You give your bonuses back. You look like a good guy, and then you make a fuck ton of money because you went and talked to to the people in Minnesota on signing day. Right. Before. I also think the yeah, you're you're totally right, and I also think the NIL stuff and the portal deal, like you're either wired for it or you're not. Right. You know, he could um, be like fuck this. Right. There are definitely a lot of guys right now in college football that are like fuck this. This yeah. is ridiculous. And, you know, I don't, I love that the players are getting their cut. I think there's some really shady shit that's going on. Yeah, no question. But there was uh, before on college football has right. been shady a long time. Now the players Basically, just get a, get a, get access to the back room. Yeah. I have no problem with yeah. it, but now the asks are, are beyond like if people really knew what was going on. Oh, I wouldn't you know, coach I'm, in college. Yeah. So I don't know if that's what Jim's motivation was, Maybe. but I, I've heard enough from from people, you know, in, in my college circles where you you'll hear guys go, This is so out of control right now. I'm kind of sick of having it. Like you always had to re-recruit your kids anyway with the yep. transfer stuff, but now it's fucking another level. So mailbag. Um number one, concerts. You hate to admit that you've been to. This is from our menders. I don't hate it. It is a little weird. I mean, I'm older. This is where the gap kicks in. But 86, Harvard Civic Center, Cinderella opened up for Jovi. What? I was 11 and a girl invited me and we sat there with the parents. But then there was a rumor that I was dancing a lot at the concert. And that got out at lunch the next day. It was fucking curtains for your boy for a couple of days. <laughs> really? Because you were dancing at Cinderella? I wasn't. I, I was, you know, it wasn't <laughs> like I was, I was 11. You know, and then her, her sister... Like, it was kind of cool that I got invited by this girl. And then, like, the sister was a little bit older. And I saw her sipping on nips with some other, like, ruffian type who was just at the Civic Center. Yeah. You know, it's a rough crowd. You know, Cinderella, especially. It didn't fuck around. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think, right. I think, I think even, I think, uh, I think the venue was even tame on a night like that. Yeah. But this is, this is Hartford. I was, uh, this Hartford, is I, I was Hartford. Hartford. Yeah. That's a different ball game. Right. So, New I'm Haven, Hartford. Hartford. And I'm at the rock concert and the parents are there and they were really nice. It was really nice of them to bring me along. And I don't know if the girl liked me or something. It never developed. We were 11. So we moved on, but, um, it's cold play watching. for me. It's cold play. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, why are you embarrassed? I don't know if I'm embarrassed, but cold cold play is a funny thing for me. It's like, there was a time when I was really into cold play. Okay. And there's a time where I'm really not into cold play. And I think like they're, they kind of fell off a cliff, but now I'm as a 36 year old man. I'm like, were they ever that good? And I remember going to a concert and being way into it and then walking away and saying like, hey, they weren't, they weren't that good. Chris Martin didn't sound that great live. Wow. It's devastating. Yeah, it was it's devastating. devastating. There, was a, there was a time like where I was hanging out with uh, Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam who's not, it's not a name drop. It's a guy I know. I like Jeff and he's neighbor. the man. He's a neighbor in Montana. And uh, he was like, you've been to any good concerts lately? And all I had for him was Coldplay. And I felt kind of fucking like a, like a, like a, like kind of a little punk. What did he say to that? He was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I'm like telling one of the guys from Pearl Jam, I just had a Coldplay concert. So I'm a little bit, yeah, Coldplay, I have mixed feelings on that. Reed, should I be embarrassed going to a Coldplay concert? Uh, if it was just Coldplay, Maybe yeah, a little okay. bit. Yeah, that's all right. I, I saw, went to a I went to an Ariana Grande concert. You went one to time. Ariana Grande. Concert? I met uh, my lady friend and some of her friends at the Ariana Grande concert. Like yeah. for the first time, y'all met? Or no, met no, 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 no. She she was there already. I had fi- we had I that's finished more forgivable. finished the show here and then yeah. met them. I'm sure, she's great. Yeah, 
Uh, no, Ariana. Ryan, uh, I, know, that, uh, I know your lady friend's great, but Ariana, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure right. she's great. Ryan, you that, the only dude with all the girls at Ariana Grande? No, no, no. There, there was uh, three girls, one other guy. How was it? Uh, loud, bright lights. Meh. You yeah, know, I cut like the last three songs. Screaming. Yeah. A lot uh, of, oh my God, holy shit. shit yeah, yeah, cameras. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Ryan, that tour was the Slippery When Wet tour, correct? Yeah, oh yeah. It nice. just come out. Because they did, uh, they did uh, Dead or Alive acoustically to close that shit out. You might be able to pull up that set list. I mean, that. Dead or Alive. Pink man. Flamingos, Raise was... Your Hands, Break Out, I Die for You, Tokyo Road. You give love a bad name, wild in the street, silent night, living on a prayer, let it rock, guitar solo, drum solo, in and out of love, run away, wanted dead or alive, drift away, the Doby Gray cover, and get ready. Oh, uh, so yeah, it was near the end. Maybe we had to leave. Maybe it was a school night and they made us leave. I thought it was the encore. Maybe we didn't. I also, the roughest concert I've ever been to, Spin Doctors, Warwick, Rhode Island, 1992. Spin Doctors was a rough concert? <laughs> I was right up in front. I almost got destroyed. It was unbelievable. Spin doctors were so mad the whole time. Wallflowers opened for them. Of course. Uh, Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son. Yep. And they were just like, this sucks. And then the lead guy for the spin doctors was like, what is wrong with you fucking people? Like, do you not get out enough? And it was Warwick, man. They don't fuck around down there. You know how that weird Rhode Island yeah, is. Yeah, dude. So people it's were rough. just, yeah. Yeah, it's rougher in these pockets of Rhode Island than people realize. And so we went there in high school from the vineyard, took the boat over, car pulled it over. Warwick, we were fire, fired up, pocket full of kryptonite. We were fucking peaking. It was great. And then uh, it was it was mayhem. Like guys were just mauling each other, and the band kept yelling at us the entire time. It was pretty funny. Jesus. I, I don't know if I've ever been to one like that. I went and saw Kevin Gates in East St. Louis. <laughs> uh, what was that like? I don't, oh, my God. I don't remember a lot of it. In fact, I'm not even positive I was there. I'll put it that way. <laughs> but I know, I know that one night we were somewhere and we said we were going to Kevin Gates and I've kind of remember loud music and it was one of those things where I couldn't tell if Kevin Gates was actually there or he, they were just playing his music on the loud thing, but it was crowded. Ryan, if you ever tell this story again, it's April 3rd, 1987 was the concert you went to. Oh, okay. So maybe Hartford, Hartford yeah. Civic oh, he was, Center. He was 17. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, how yeah, about worst uh, em- embarrassing gym habit that you or trend that you did once? I mean, you're going to have a good one. The only thing I ever did that was embarrassing was I was at a hotel, like a nice hotel, and I was getting some lifts in. I was in college and I was squatting like 350 and unloaded the, the, the one side. You know, I don't know if you've ever unloaded the one side, but the entire fucking. It, <laughs> The fucking uh, the barbell went like a chopstick, just flying across the 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 gym, and there was there were babes everywhere laughing at me. I was in college. This was before I met my lovely wife, and it was embarrassing. Hit the glass mirror by act of God. Are you serious? It didn't it didn't break the mirror like, but it was oh loud. Gosh. There were five six plates. Wasn't fucking around back then. I mean, you could you could argue my first run through high school was always embarrassing because I should have never been in there. Like the only thing you could do was leg press or leg, you know, you do calf raises on the leg press. You're like, oh, I'm crushing two plates on each side um, because none of the upper body stuff was ever working for me. I remember oh, like I didn't lift through college and then I had some non lift years after college and I was just so sick of it. I was like, you went from skinny and you worked out, but you were just skinny because you weren't going to fill out. Like I didn't really fill out until I was like 26 or 27. Yeah. <laughs> Which is still nuts. filling I mean, out. Still filling yeah, out. Still filling out. Yep. 
237 the other day on a text. You and so, I you and I are dangerously close, dude. This is so funny. You and I are dangerously close. I'm not 237 like walking around. Okay. The other day I was 237 and I sent you the text that's on the thread and I went, "Okay, this is now this is dangerously close to like too big." Yeah, well when that day happens, we got to do something. I don't know. Oh, so anyway, here's the point is so I went through a like a lot of stuff in my life, I'll go, Hey, are you fucking serious? Or are you going to address this? You know, yeah. are you going to handle this? Are you going to make a change? Like make a change. You hate the way you look, you feel weak and it makes you feel weaker. Fuck that. Step it up. Let's go on that journey. So I joined a gym that was the only thing I could afford. And there were some rough dudes in there in Vermont. And you know, you know how like when you're just not used to protocol, a new gym and you're not the biggest guy and there's some big guys that you just, already you're already 20 percent weaker it's like starting your video game up by yeah, like you, you can't yeah. you can't walk confidently around the gym like you can't <laughs> no. tiptoe around the machines and shit right right so i grab a couple dumbbells and i'm like you know it had been a long time because i didn't live through college at all and i was like you know all right okay you know this isn't so bad this is so and i see some guy like looking at me and he's just looking he's trying to figure it out and he's watching me and then i like put him back He's like, do you know you had a 40 and a 30? <laughs> <laughs> That's not and I'm like, uh, He's like, is that like some thing you do? Some muscle confusion thing? Muscle confusion. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, just I always keep, it, keep the body guessing. <laughs> yeah, you hit him with the keep the body guessing. And I just totally, I hadn't been, I'd been out of the game for such a long time because I did lift in high school. It did nothing for me. I was super weak. And then I got to college and I think I weighed 170 pounds my freshman year. We need more Rosillo college pictures. That's, that's your homework. I need more Rosillo college pictures. Next time you go home, take yeah, pictures of the, it's just, I'd, I'd rather there be less. So we're good. <laughs> Here you go. This was, I thought a pretty good one and perfect for you. That's why somebody sent it in. This is from move maker office characters as head coaches. I was looking hard for a guy who or a gal who fit the bill, and you, the, you're like a you're like a 500 level, 300 level professor in this show. Only thing I came out with was like David Wallace, maybe like give him a shot. He probably gets fired after a year or two because he's kind of a pushover. But like, think of all the things he dealt with. David Wallace. David Wallace is- yeah, he, he was a good he was a good man. He's There's not a man. lot of good men on that show. Now the David no. Wallace said the suck it thing at the <laughs> end of the office was probably like his mojo moment, like keep that to yourself. Like that that that's not gonna work. But everything else David Wallace was was pretty great. All right. I would say I thought we were gonna do comps. So I was kind of thinking Mike Martz's Creed. <laughs> okay, I like this better. That's probably the way. That's probably the way the question was posed. So yeah, go. So like, just different. Like, I'm not even talking about the way they look. But when Creed goes, I've been a part of many cults, <laughs> both as a leader and follower. You have more sex as a leader. Yeah, and he and had sex I, in the '60s, rolling around on the ground in the yeah, mud and all that I, stuff. Yeah, it's just like a. Weird... I could just see marks where you're like. Are you a genius mm-hmm. or are you, are you not? Is Robert California, is that Belichick? Robert California is on my list. Uh, I don't think he's Belichick. I think Robert California is actually a Washington football team executive <laughs> before they started to try to clean things up or at least appear to. I was going to say Stanley's Belichick. Stanley's Belichick. The hobbies and stuff? Just over it. Yeah. 
over it does his job do your job leave me alone okay okay keep, to, keep going right. i think shanahan is actually jim kyle yeah irritated by everybody i think shanahan's like got this perpetual like these people irritate remember the way he looked at that d coordinator and that viral cleveland browns it was mike Patton. Yeah. remember yeah, mike Patton? Coach, yeah remember mike Patton was like oh you know i think he, i think we run here yeah yeah and then and then you and know, he just looks defeated. Yeah, and, and then Kev looks at him just like, I got you, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, that's that's the Jim Halpert kind of weird confidence. That mm -hmm. guy makes you almost uncomfortable. I don't know if there is a Michael Scott. I was trying to figure one out. Like, Jerry Glanville. I don't be know. Um, what, about, what about Pam as Gruden? Just hate her. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible emails. Did Who had the worst emails? Yeah, Michael Scott was, remember, he's like, I am the king of forwards. <laughs> Yeah. And then Dwight was trying to get Michael to forward his joke. Yes. He's like, forward it. Would you consider it? I mean, I got Toby Flenderson as a coach that just gets walked. Toby has a lot of like upper management NFL coach that's trying to climb the ladder, like just spineless, you know, but kisses up to the right people. I think Toby, there's a Toby Flenderson out there. We we took these completely different yeah, directions. Maybe now I don't want to name one. I don't want to name a Toby Flenderson cop after what you just said. I don't want to oh, say. Oh, well, go ahead. Give me the Toby. I don't want to say a real person's name. Is Roy Tom Cable? Uh, hold on a second, <laughs> Roy. <laughs> I don't know who Roy is. Roy's Pims first. No, I'm saying it oh, as a coach. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was actually funny. Roy's the. Roy's the Roy's, I don't know who. Roy's. He was the. We, where did Roy work? Downstairs with uh, yeah. with Daryl. Yeah, he's in the warehouse. Yeah, and yeah. then they and then they uh, busted and up then, the bar, and then he got cucked. He got cucked. Which, by the way, you know, I'm shocked we've gotten this far without you disparaging Pam. I mean, you kind of halfway did. Do you want to do I your compared to Gruden? I don't think that's much of a compliment. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's not anymore. Who's Moe Schrute? <laughs> Steve Belichick? No. <laughs> All right. No, it's got to be somebody weirder. It has to be the weirdest. Who's Mike Leach? Uh, Mike Leach, there's somebody like, there's a Mike Leach here. Well, there's Creed probably has a little bit more Mike, Mike Leach. Leach yeah. That's what I'm saying. It does. Who's Mark Tressman? Who, Tressman? Todd Packer. Todd Packer. No, that, that, one does, that doesn't make any sense. Todd Packer. Todd Packer is. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody who's just got no couth. Like none when of he them. says when he says Michael Scott, he's like, "Where's Michael Snot sniffing some dude's thong?" Probably. <laughs> yeah, just like I'm trying it to. It doesn't even make any sense. All right, it's so here's so, what, so here's what we need to do. We need to retreat to our corners. I like the way you took the mailbag question. So we're going to do this again. Your okay. long homework is to, we do a better chart <laughs> where I take the question correctly. Uh, and then we do this again. Okay. You know how I started improv? How? I was walking down the street and Dale Earnhardt Jr. drove by and he was like, oh my God, you're the funniest guy I've ever seen. You're hilarious. <laughs> and that's improv. What is that? Is that who, who said that? Michael Scott says that at the end of his improv class where everybody hates him. I got, does, I got stumped the, the other was, day. I get so mad when people don't understand some of the layers of brilliance in how I can't imagine how much fun it was to work on that show. Because be. There's just some things that they do where you go, 
all right, nobody, nobody else really tried to do this. And, you know, Steve Carell makes it possible too, because he's just so fucking good. But And you don't, and you don't know what's happening as it's happening. I mean, like I, I but they would also change the rules on some stuff too. Like Michael wasn't always, I was saying this to somebody the other day, but Michael's a loser and he's tough to work with. Oh, we were doing on my podcast the yeah. other day. Cause we were talking about this boss and life advice, but then they would have these little samples of where there'd be somebody else who was even worse than Michael, which would allow Michael to pretend he was cool. Cause this other guy sucks. So bad yeah, he tried to, any yeah. self-awareness. Toby, Toby. I told you, I saw Toby at a real equinox here in LA, right? Did you really? Was he jacked? No. Okay. Ryan Rosillo, thank you for the time. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Tennessee, or Virginia, and you haven't yet tried the WinBet app, I've got great news for you. WinBet is now offering a 200% wager match for new users up to $1,500. That's just an incredible offer. WinBet is basically giving you double your first wager in free bets. Don't pass it up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. It's always fun talking to Ryan Rosillo. It's my dude. Hey, Sam Hubbard, kid I really like. Big fan of your boy. So that's why he likes our podcast. He's WDE. So you know, I gave, him some, I gave him some hope. Now he's a bopper. Um, signed a big deal. So awesome for him. And it, we're going to do this interview on, uh, uh, you know, sponsored by Roback Clothing Company. We'll tell you a little bit, bit about that. But I went back and watched the AFC Championship game. Kansas City could really run the ball early. And obviously, I'll talk to Sam about the turning point where they make that play in the red zone. But as a rusher, you watch some of some of the you know, the Herculean efforts that it took to get Mahomes down late in the game, and they didn't have a sack until the beginning of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. As much pressure as Trey Hendrickson got, as much as they were back there, the sack started happening for Patrick Mahomes when you drop more people. He almost slows the clock down, and in the red zone, that's how they scored two of their touchdowns early. Uh, you know, him extending plays, moving around. The Bengals did a better job of that in the second half, and Sam Hubbard had a lot to do with that. In the second half, Mahomes had a 52.9% uh, adjusted completion rate, a 12.3 passer rating, and an average of only 3.1 yards per attempt. Crazy. And, and they, they did just flood the zones and, and, and rush three more. And, you know, really, the sacks are there, as you saw. Even, even if it's against a quarterback like Mahomes – you could tempt him into holding the ball for a long time. And then it's more of a game of like tag in the mm-hmm. backyard. I mean, like, and you could see how tired those guys got. Next gen stats had the Bengals dropping eight plus coverage defenders on a season high 35% of pass plays, uh, holding Mahomes to just seven of 13 for 59 yards and a pick and two sacks. Crazy. Plays. That front will not have to deal with Patrick Mahomes until next year. Matt Stafford is not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Matt Stafford does a lot of things really well, but one of them is not buying a ton of time in the red zone. Uh, and, and so it'll be interesting to see how they rush him. And for the Bengals, it'll be a lot, it'll be a lot better. It'll, it'll just be like, if you're a rusher coming in this week, you feel like there are plays to be made. So it's so exciting for him two weeks from now getting to play on the world's biggest stage. He's had a two piece in the AFC championship. You're fantasizing about, 
that rush. Mm -hmm. Like I could win the game, knock the ball out. It very well could happen. I could be Brandon Graham, you know, and, uh, and it's going to be easier to get there for them. Their toughest test was last week. The tough thing is stopping the run. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, bring up a sore subject with them, but you know, Kansas with, with Sam, but Kansas city was able to run the football early in the game. LA, can they run the football and can they trust Cam Akers? Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to talk to Sam and, and, and hear from him about this team. They've come a long way and they're not just happy to be here. I get the idea that they, they, they really are dead set on winning this thing. So here's our special interview with Sam Hubbard presented by Roback. Roback Activewear. Best way to describe Roback is best fit, best feel. When it comes to quality, Roback just blows it out of the water every time. The performance hoodies are great. The quarter zips are great. I mean, like, you don't have to twist my arm to put on a hoodie. These might be the softest, stretchiest hoodies in the game. But here's the most impressive part. I will wear a Roback polo. Okay, I won't wear any kind of polo. I'm not a buttons guy. Button downs, maybe. Henley's, yeah. But nothing with a collar on it. I don't do collars. A performance polo from Roback. I mean, effortlessly, this thing just slides into my arsenal in the old closet. Big man friendly, too. Sam Hubbard, big guy. I'm a big guy. You can pull it off, big guys. Roback's popping up all over the league. So use the code GREENLIGHT on Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order. That's spelled Roback, R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. That's 20% off your first order on all polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and tees with the code GREENLIGHT. Hop on the Roback train now and go check them out at Roback.com. I got one of my favorite players left playing ball this year on the pod. He's one half of that dynamic duo in Cincy, uh, the WDE pairing of Hubbard and Hendrickson. I've got Sam Hubbard on the phone today. Sam, how we doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's great talking to you. I, you're here, and this interview is brought to you by Roback for the people at home. Like, Roback is pretty damn cool. We have a Charlottesville connection. We have a Hubbard connection. We have a long connection. Sam, do the honors and tell us about Roback. Yeah, Roback's a cool company. It's actually founded, one of the three founders is my cousin, Kevin Hubbard. And uh, they started back like 2017. 2018, uh, just kind of giving me some golf shirts and early products that I, I really liked. And they've kind of developed as my career has gone on. They've grown, I've grown, and now they've got uh, hoodies, Q-zips, all types of really good stuff. And, um, you know, once you try it on once, you're going to you're gonna want it for a long time. They're a great company. Dude, I really do need to kind of, because I'm pretty much wearing the same thing every day. I could use a quarter zip. I could use a Henley. Do they make Henleys? I got plenty of Henleys, but do they make Henleys? They make long sleeve tees, like workout, like uh, like loose shirts. They're perfect, but uh, it's a nice switch up wearing a little Q-zip every once in a while. Okay, like it's that. a little, it's a grown up vibe when you throw in the Q-zip. Could you see Joey Buckets in the, uh, in, in the Q-zip by Roback? Could you get Joey in some of the Roback gear? And do you get like a giant finder's fee if you get that sucker in some Roback? He's actually worn uh, the t-shirt in one of his uh, other Instagram ads a long time ago, and I've given him <laughs> hoodies. He likes it. This dude, Sam Hubbard, if you go on his Instagram, go follow him because his outfits to games are fire. They're understated. They're fire. They're not... His buddy Burrow has some of the most the, like, the most outlandish kind of stroll-up gear. Uh, I was going to ask you, 
your favorite Joe Burrow look. Okay, we've got the square frames Joe Burrow. We have the wide receiver t-shirt Joe Burrow. We have the green checkered suit Joe Burrow. We even have the necklace and fur coat Joe Burrow, which you saw last week. And then maybe my personal favorite, the bad Santa Joe. Which Joe is your favorite Joe? That's a tough one. I think he really does. I mean, the thing about his outfit, he doesn't consult with anybody. He just shows up wearing it <laughs> with all confidence in the world. And it's uh, it's amazing. But the glasses, the, the, the square frames that he wore... I like saw him at first. I was like, Oh, I don't know about that. That's a, that's a tough look to pull <laughs> a off Tough one, but he did. And then the entire city, the following game in Tennessee, every picture tailgate I saw everyone had him on. Like they must've got him on Amazon, like mass produced. And, uh, I don't know. They're a hit. You, you can't do anything wrong. So it's, no, fuck, gotta dude. The, it's gotta be the glass frames. Dude, I, are they Cartier? Like the, the, like what he said in his little Instagram yeah, post is he, cause I'm out of the fucking loop, dude. I'm 36 data too. I don't try anymore. I think at first they were like really like cheap ones that he just got online <laughs> and he got a package from Cartier of the real ones that he wore last week. And, uh, yeah, they're Cartier. The Joe Burrow drip. So Ohio boy grew up a Bengals fan. Now he gets fast forward, makes two of the biggest plays, you know, in, in franchise history in a row. I mean, like, dude, I texted you the other night. I was like, you must be on fucking cloud nine. I mean, this is just, they write movies about this stuff between the two of y'all. Do you think it was a good thing that y'all didn't win at home knowing Bengals fans? They might've burnt the city down or would it, would they have been well-behaved? I don't know. Um, I think in the past, uh, whatever, 88, when we did th this the last time we went to the Super Bowl, we had the home field advantage the whole time. We won all our playoff games at home. And Tennessee was the first playoff road or, yeah, road playoff win in history. But uh, I don't know. The videos, my, yeah, the videos of the bars erupting when the kick went through, people just weeping, like embracing each other for mm -hmm. 20 minutes. It's, uh, that's the best part. Just, seeing that the energy um the city's going nuts right now dude i you know i said the other day i couldn't think of a comp for like Bengals fans uh and i was like i don't know chicago they they had 85 though you know and they've had some success they were in a super bowl post 2000 and really the Bengals weren't as bad as i think the Bengals get associated with this like dumpster fire before this this kind of turnover y'all were in the playoffs a lot like it, you know it just kind of a team that's close a lot and so it made me think of the eagles like honestly eagles fans they were so starved for that super bowl and the city damn near imploded after we won the nfc championship at home these folks have been waiting a long time i'm sure you're meeting all types of people what's your favorite memory or like when did you have the most hope as a Bengals fan growing up um yeah it's crazy uh crazy story of it all we've had a lot of success great seasons but the postseason fit like Losing in the playoffs uh, is really what's been the Achilles heel. Like the game that I remember the most was when we were playing the Steelers. I forget what year. I was in like grade school at the time, and Carson Palmer blew out his knee. He got, I don't know mm -hmm. if you remember, yeah. got his like knee yeah. speared. And after that, I mean, that was the year everyone had all the hope. Then he got hurt. We lost to the Steelers. And ever since then, it's been like a curse as far as like my lifetime, you know, the the penalties against the Steelers recently, like 2015, I think that was, but yeah, once we beat the Raiders at home is like all that just lifted in one instant. And, uh, you know, it's a new, 
new day. What about a favorite celebrity Bengals fan? Because I didn't realize you guys got some fucking A-list fans here. I mean, like, it's uh, not a... Woody Harrelson, George yeah. Clooney, Gary Owen, Nick Gary, Lachey, yep. and um, Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet. Not to mention Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra. And Jerry Springer. Wow. Have you met, all... Are you surprised by some of those names? Did you yeah, know? I, I didn't know. Uh, I knew uh, Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk Herbstreet's... Uh, Naturally, well, yeah. A lot of the... Nick Lachey, he's a Cincinnati guy. Mm-hmm. That one, but yeah, those are all news to me. That's pretty cool. So I then, said, does that count if if the player on the Bengals doesn't know that they're a celebrity? Right, fan? exactly. Does that like actually they, count? They gotta, they got yeah, they gotta let you know that they're yeah. celebrity fans. <laughs> You're gonna have so many celebrity fans to sift through now that you guys are in the Super Bowl. It's like it feels like you guys are now the coolest team in America. Do you feel that? I don't know. I mean, this is a pretty meteoric rise. I mean, last year we won yeah. four games, and uh, I think everybody's rooting for us just because of the. You know, no expectations were on us, really, or anybody talking about us at the start. But, um, yeah, it's it's already day two of Super Bowl prep, and I just already overwhelmed by just tickets and everything, media requests. Like, it's chaos. But it's uh, – I mean, you sh- I'm sure you have experience oh. with how crazy it gets. Dude, yeah. I mean, like, I don't think people understand – in the regular season that tickets cost money. You know, when people ask you, they hit you up for tickets, which I'm sure is like the only bad thing about, good and bad thing about playing your home home state. I mean, everybody can get to the game. And now you're going to LA and I'm sure you've gotten a, bu- a bunch of requests. What's the what's the most like unreasonable part of this whole deal, Super Bowl week, from two days of experience? Uh, I think it's just like the not knowing because it's so like hard to get well, you know, what you're being given to by the team as far as tickets, hotels, flights, who needs them, who's who's going to plan to go. Um, you know, you want to make sure everybody can get there because it's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So it's a lot of logistical headaches, but uh, my family's the best. They're, uh, they're really shielding me from it and doing it all themselves. So Do you, do you uh, know when you all go out there? Yeah, I think we're going out on Tuesday next week. Boy, that meeting before the Super Bowl is like as long as the preseason meeting, you know, like uh, logistical meeting the, the, Hey, this is our hotel. This is where we'll be staying. This is how many tickets you get. I mean, it is the ultimate distraction paired with, Hey, I got to get ready to play a football game. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the whole thing. I talked to, uh, uh, Nick Bosa, former Buckeye, he played in the uh, Super Bowl, and the first thing he said is like, "Don't let the distractions get to you, you know, right. from playing the game." So yeah. that's going to be the goal. All right, so I want to ask you about one guy on the Bengals. He's been waiting a very long time to play in a game like this, and I'm so happy for him just because of the way he looks. Clark Harris, yeah. uh, talk to me about Clark Harris and his role, and just how exciting it is to have a guy that's been there since fucking 2009. He looks 60 years old with that handlebar. He actually is a good-looking guy without it. He's a good-looking guy with it. I'll say that, Reed Cowboy, you probably think so. Agreed, yeah. Clark Harris, what's he mean to the team? What's his, what, like, what's that guy like? Clark Harris is like, uh, I don't know, he's just a staple. Like, he's one of my favorite players on the team. (laughs) He's, He's been doing it for like 14 years. He started out as a tight end, um, you know, just started snapping one day and like carved out a role and he's, I mean, there's just so many things you could say. Like away games, he's the best chirper of all time. He gets into it with every single fan um, behind our bench. And, <laughs> um, you know, he's got the long hair. I mean, he's just a chiller. He's just a, an awesome dude. Can he drink beer? 
Definitely. Okay, he's it's it's as it looks. Yeah, no, he's the man. Like he, everything that he looks is what he embodies. Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, you talked about last year, kind of getting over the hump. This team, y'all won, lost so many close games. I mean, I yeah, you know, I followed along closely. There were so many one score games. What do you think the biggest key was? To take that next step, because people always talk about knowing how to win football games, and you've been there when this team didn't know how to win football games. You've seen two and fourteen. You've seen six and ten. You saw last year where you felt like a good team that didn't know how to win in those moments. What do you think the big difference was last year to this year? Yeah, I think it was just um, doing it. Like you actually have to like go through the process of making those plays that like take the win. You know, like it's really hard to win in this league, and until you like you know, make that interception or that strip sack or that game winning touchdown in crunch time, then you get the confidence that you can do it in any situation. And also the fact that Joe got hurt. I mean, I remember vividly right after talking to Joe, when he got hurt, he was like, damn man, like we were really about to start winning games, going to run that back half, the second half of those eight games last year. And, uh, just was cut short by that. But, um, you know, he comes back healthy, and we win a few games without him. And here we are. Holy shit! I was afraid when he got swiped low against Tennessee. I think it was. I think he got hit in the knees, and I was like, "Damn, dude!" Flashback last year. That was such a rough moment. Him laying on the turf. Was there doubt that he'd get back to this? You know, like you know, internally in his mind and anybody's mind on the team. Because I know the way it looked. I didn't think this year was a thing for him. I, I really didn't think. I thought he'd be rehabbing into October. Yeah, I mean, it was a freak play. It was really ugly. But, I mean, I – the gym we train out here in Cincinnati, uh, like, leading up to the season, he was rehabbing with his guy, training with his guy, and I saw him in there every day, and he looked really good just grinding it out every day. Like, three – he would, like, do rehab and then lift, like, four hours a day. And, uh, I mean, just – put in the work and he's looking strong as ever. Like I think at first he felt a little, I don't want to speak on his mental, but he felt a little uneasy. How could you not from that yeah. injury? But I mean, he came overcame that so quickly. Um, it's amazing. You know, you talked about getting over the hump. Like where do you think you guys realized, okay, we've done this. Was there a moment? Cause I can remember moments like in Philly or in new England, they kind of knew like, Hey, we, we, we know how to do this, but we kind of had to learn as a team in 17 and I feel like there were times and moments and wins where we said, okay, we're for real. And some of them were late in the season. We didn't know, like we knew we were good, but we didn't know we were for real, for real until late in the season. And I wonder if you guys had a moment or win like that this year. I think we had a bunch, I think um, losing on the road to Chicago and then coming back with like a make it or break it game against the Steelers at their place, like deciding what type of team we're going to be to be able to go out there and win that on the road. Um, You know, Baltimore game, um, you know, coming back to win the final minutes of that primetime game against Jacksonville at home. Yep. Um, It's just been a crazy year. I think uh, we've let a few slip away only because we've done it ourselves or hurt ourselves and, um, you know, kind of gave the game away. Um, yeah. Well, it just shows how hard it is to win in this league. And I remember that game against Jacksonville. I mean, you guys are neck and neck the entire game, and the rest of the season looks totally different for the two teams. 
It's just really hard to win. I mean, you talk about early in the season, like Chicago, uh, that game being a, you know, a dogfight right up to the end and losing that one and that sort of thing. So it's just crazy the way teams kind of separate as the, as the year goes on. And you guys even had, I mean, I've been there. Okay, you lost to the Jets, and then I think you guys lost another game the week after. I can't remember which one it was, but that's got to be a really rock-bottom type moment, losing the Jets, giving up 34. Cleveland. Yeah, Cle- Cleveland. Um Jets, Cleveland, then our bye week, and then we had the Raiders at the Raiders, and it was like us or them mentality for the rest of the year. Like whoever wins that Raiders game's going like this, whoever loses. Mm-hmm. So it's, T- yeah. Take me back before the half because uh, of this game Sunday. I mean, like everybody knows that was the key. I mean, there was a lot of keys in that game, but them not getting points before the half, like they go up 28-3. I, I don't know. What are y'all thinking when you go in? To be being honest, I I've been down twenty eight to three, and we won that game. And I and we I didn't think we were going to win that game. That that was that the biggest moment of the game. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, at the time, it was like hard to understand the gravity of it because like yeah. that first half was like a blur. It felt like uh, Mahomes was just like in total control. Um, you know, it was just uh, tough to get anything going. And then that play happens. Eli Apple makes that play. We kind of go into half, regroup, settle in, and then uh, just went back out there. But if without that play, I don't, yeah, I don't know if we ever settle in. What adjustments did you all make? Because the first four possessions, the Chiefs go 84, 75, 72, and 80. You mentioned they stopped, you guys stopped them on the goal line yeah. right before halftime there. First five possessions of the third and fourth quarters went for 34 total yards and just two first downs. What, what did you guys kind of notice that you needed to do in that in that second half? Yeah, I mean, we never really felt like we were out of it. I think we got in there and said, like, just set, we're, we all know we're good enough to win this game. We've been here before. It's exactly like the script where yeah. the first time we played them. And uh, I think, the, I mean, the co- uh, Lou Anaromo switched up the calls a little bit to be a little bit more of, you know, drop eight, rush three, um, keep them in the pocket type situations because we were really trying to get after them. Uh, in the first half, he was just scrambling around, extending plays. And then, uh, you know, second half, we were more trying to contain them and uh, stop them from extending the plays. And that really worked for us. And the back end was able to do their job. And, uh, you know, we just got the ball. Just get the ball back to Joe. That's what we want to do on defense. I don't know if you if you guys noticed this, but uh, your secondary didn't allow a second half reception to Tyreek Hill. He oh, did not yeah. get the ball in the second half. Yeah, they changed things up on him. Yep. I don't give him the let him give the cookies away, but right. they, yeah, they changed something up on Tyreek. And then also it was like the red zone in the first half. Both of those plays were like extending kind of plays like in the red zone. And I thought actually on the second touchdown, you got blocked in the back. I don't know if you were holding your hands up like, what the hell? I'm trying to get up and somebody just... I got tackled. I was like, I was beat my guy and then the guard came and tackled me. And I was like screaming at the ref and he said apparently there's no block in the back in the pocket which well, I, I didn't it's know news to me too because i'm yeah. like he got blocked in the fucking he did they did something to sam you know yeah. it was like they, they you got a tackle and then a, a shove in the back as you're trying to get up but it's so hard to rush Mahomes. and down the stretch y'all had to deal with you know baltimore of course that's its own challenge you had Tannehill. you had a number of athletic quarterbacks but Mahomes is probably the most dangerous in a lot of ways 
I mean, even though he's not the fastest or the quickest, his athleticism is just it's it's like an understated deal. But before you know it, you've been chasing him for twelve seconds. I, I how tired were y'all before he we, they tied the game at twenty four up? I think if you timed up those three rushes at the end of the game, there it'd probably be thirty seconds. Yeah, no that that last few rushes, he was he train uh reverse field like five different times <laughs> just like i mean we're just all four of us are just gonna keep chasing them but it was like i don't know yeah where is he gonna go with the ball is just chaos out there we just uh yeah we're all dead tired though i mean i that clip of trey just emptying the tank trying to chase him down um and then trey deep, hanging deep. hanging on the the damn when he got to the sideline he was hanging on the kicker's net just to yeah. be able to stand up i was like no, I think he laid out he laid out trying to swipe the ball and like got the wind knocked out of him okay. yeah <laughs> all right well that brings it this is a key point you've had this elbow brace now for what like two years maybe or a better part since, of uh, since halfway through last year since halfway through last year how are we adjusting to having that elbow brace? Does this feel like it fucking the swag up or do you like it? No, I love it. I fully okay. embrace it. I, I wouldn't be comfortable <laughs> out there without it anymore. It yeah. is it's true. Once you go to like a brace, it's like you sealed your fate because it's gonna yeah. feel better. Um I was gonna ask you though, elbow brace for the rest of your career, or you have to wear long sleeves and no gloves like Trey the rest of your career. Which one is it? Whose swag? Which swag do you prefer? Elbow brace or no gloves? I'm an elbow brace guy. I could not, I don't know how he does the no gloves. I have my thumbs taped, <laughs> my fingers get mangled and, uh, he's just out there just, you know, thugging it every week, you <laughs> know, bleeding from his knuckles, jam fingers, but he loves it. I mean, yeah. What drives, what drives him? You guys probably get to know each other real well. I always think about the guy I rush officer with. It's important to have a good relationship. It's important to work together. It's important to, to coordinate your rushes sometimes like how about y'all's relationship and what makes trey tick because i can remember when he was a young guy uh came up to me after new orleans game and we swapped jerseys and i never would have thought that he would be you know a 15 sack a year guy this is amazing yeah. did you see this coming when he came in um and how's y'all's relationship kind of built yeah no we're super close trey's an awesome dude uh, i i really believe like you said you got to be close with the guys you're rushing with to be successful. So we definitely have gotten close ever since he came. And uh, he's just like a, the utmost competitor, like just a true competitor. Um, I remember watching him last year when he's with the Saints getting all those sacks. And, uh, you know, it just blew my mind. He's, he's so fast with his get off and his hands and bending the edge. Um, you know, I think he's consistently going to be 15 sack guy every year. He's just, uh, you know, it's fun to rush on the other side of guys like that because, uh, you know, they're pretty disruptive and I can kind of clean them up. Uh, yeah, but you know, you there's some give and take. You're being humble. There's always you being the power guy. I've been there. Okay. I had like Robert <laughs> Quinn on the other side. Like yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of power rushes that he eats off you. I'm I guarantee that. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's usually how it goes. He goes speed, he runs the hoop. I'm more of a power rusher. Yep. And uh yeah, we got we got some dogs inside too, for sure. Also, yeah, those interior guys stepped up big with Ogan Joby out and like we talked about this, the Tennessee game. I if if y'all pull this thing out, they will look back at a few big stops that you guys had defensively. I think defense has been the key. Tennessee, you know, we talked about DJ Reader, the game he had. 
Yeah. Um, you know, 92 made a huge PJ play. Hill. This, yeah, PJ Hill. Hill. Uh, the stand at the goal line. Talk to me about the, the D tackles um, and kind of the, the challenge that they've accepted with, you know, like going into the, the playoffs, we were whispering that, hey, they're not good enough inside. Yeah. No, they – I mean, that was a point of weakness for us, um, you know, last year because DJ got hurt and then we signed, we traded for BJ, we signed Larry, drafted some guys, but uh, BJ, DJ, Larry, Josh Tupau, they're all just about as reliable, selfless guys as they could, as they come, you know, DJ really put the team on his back, uh, Tennessee game when they're saying they're going to run all over us. Ooh, he took he played good. Yeah, he played out of his mind. I mean, BJ had a a pick sack last week. That pick was <laughs> absurd on Mahomes. Where's he and, throwing that ball? I don't know, but it, not, to catch a laser from three feet away is just insane. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. Those guys have stepped up. Okay, before we let you go, uh, we were doing some digging, and you were a laxer, a big time laxer growing up. I didn't know this about you. I didn't know. So, <laughs> yeah. so Sam Hubbard, almost the Notre Dame lacrosse player. Am I getting my facts right? Yes, that is correct. So, what happened there? Yeah, I was. Uh, I've been playing lacrosse and football since I was young, but um, after my freshman year, I think of high school, I committed to play lacrosse at Notre Dame, and I was just playing football for fun. Um, we won a state championship my junior year in football and, uh, I started getting some calls. I was like, ah, I'm not interested, not interested. And then coach Meyer came into our, uh, school to, you know, see all our top recruits and, uh, ever somehow from then on, he got me convinced to switch to football and, uh, I haven't really looked back. So I think things would be a lot different if I had gone to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. So I played two, I played two years in high yeah, school. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so I, I was a big baseball guy, but then like me and my coach got into it, my, my manager or whatever the fuck they call him. Uh, and I was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to go play lacrosse. This game looks, looks easy. Now it's not easy with the ball in your hand. Like I never got the stick skills. I mean, I'm sure you you had all the great stick skills like me. I just picked the ball up with my long pole and run with it out here like like an egg, you know, like no Yeah, dudes would give me shit all the little the little uh the heady attack men who had all the like fucking cradle skills. Yeah. They were like, see long you gotta work on your stick skills. But I loved it. It was like a lot of fun. And so we we rigged a little list of lax terms because it's one of the the slangiest sports in America. Like it's one of the most like kind of niche slangy yeah, sports no, like for sure for you know sure. like cool dudes cool dudes right yeah i just been out of the game for a little bit i hope i'm still up to date me too fuck so i'll all ask right, the question cowboy. sam you can answer because you're probably more hip to these and then we'll see if yeah, chris knows what, I'm what we're talking about sam are you a solid bouncer is that just a bounce shot yeah like, <laughs> i mean i figure that yeah. okay bounce easy shot. one do you have a better swim or rusty gate Oh, the rusty gate was legendary. <laughs> what the fuck is a rusty gate? That's a move. That's a move. I know, is the swim the, with the swim is just with the stick over, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out yeah. Kelly Maddie. He's a local legend. What's How many, what, describe a rusty gate before we go on. Sam will have to do that. <laughs> is that where you yeah. like backwards slap? Yeah. 
stick out of someone's you, hand. Yeah, you go behind, you flip around your uh, behind your back and hit the hit the stick out of the out of the guy's yeah, hand. Yeah, and like if you can pull it off, usually people aren't expecting, and the stick goes flying out yep. of their hand. Oh, that's it's tight. Epic. Yeah, that's how are your dangles? <laughs> That's just, that's what he says he has nothing of. That's just cradling. cradling. It's yep. just cradling. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's just cradling. Um, you ever put some top cheddar on the highlight tape? <laughs> yeah, I actually had a guard uh, goal in my backyard and I would just like... Paint the corners? Hours trying, yeah, paint the corners, top shelf, and I'd be missing and just launching into my neighbor's <laughs> houses and yards. You break but, any windows? Uh, never broke a window, but uh, I did, I mean... I've hit uh, gardens, um, brick walls, <laughs> pads, roofs, yeah, straight yeah. pads. Um, you ever have a sock trick? What the fuck is a sock trick? This sounds like not a lacrosse thing. Sock trick, six goals. S- that's what they call it. Yeah, <laughs> that's some heady shit right there. I don't think they call you it. You ever that have in six Ohio. goals in a game? Uh huh. I, I never did. I, maybe in grade school, but uh, yeah. Did no. you? So you were midfield or defense? Sorry, I I, sorry, I, 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 I kind of stereotyped you. You couldn't be an attackman. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was, I was attackman growing up, and then I switched to midfield once I was six six. All of a sudden, <laughs> you became six six. <laughs> well, because that's the thing. You started at Ohio State as a fucking safety. Yeah, safety and the tight end. I just kept gaining weight, and they kept moving me closer to the line. That's usually a bad thing, but then you end up with a $40 million contract. That's not a bad thing at all. Uh, It's paid off. It's paid off eating eating your chicken tenders and such. All right, so how good did it feel? Former lacrosse player, Cincinnati dude. I know I alluded to it earlier. For you to finish that game, you're face up with Patrick Mahomes. Like you find yourself in a Bengals uniform in the biggest moment in probably franchise history to date. And you're running right down the barrel on Patrick Mahomes. Are you thinking, what are you thinking? Cause I'm thinking don't miss in my head. And that's probably why I would miss. I was not, th- I couldn't tell you. I don't even like remember <laughs> anything. I just was acting purely on like instinct that opened up the guard turned to BJ, like parted like the red sea. And I just took off. And, uh, I mean, he watched, I've watched the play like a million times. He hit some pretty good moves. I don't know how I didn't get juiced. You were amazing. Cause you kind of like broke down, but kept running like one of these athletic guys, man, you know, like one of these skill guys, like you knew ex- this is the toughest tackle in football and you made it with the game on the line. Would you got yelled at? Cause you were the low hold defender. You, you, like you would got yelled no. at if you missed him or you had a carte blanche to add. I was, uh, I mean, I definitely have gotten yelled at for coming out of coverage too early many times. <laughs> but, uh, at that point, after five, whatever, it's like, all right, let's go win the game. <laughs> all right, so Sam Hubbard, any chance that we see on a lacrosse field like uh, Chris Hogan at some point? I don't know how I'm going to be feeling when I'm done playing, but... Uh, <laughs> I can I tell you. That. Hey, here, right here, you want to know? Yeah. Like shit, yeah. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so going out there trying to fighting claw to get drafted again yeah no i don't think i could do it dude i'm (laughs) definitely not in a sport i got no stick skills in so sam hubbard man congratulations on everything awesome year so far i know there's more work to do uh travel safe and don't get uh don't be soft on giving those tickets out okay be stingy learn how to say no dude just say no got it will do i appreciate it thanks for having me on yeah thanks great see you and again row back check them out This year, Super Bowl 56 is in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, February 13th. You can scour resellers to buy an overpriced ticket close to the day? Of course you can. 
or you can lock in the Super Bowl experience of a lifetime now with our friends at On Location. You want to craft a perfect confetti angel just like I did? Go to the game with On Location. The official hospitality partner of the NFL is offering you the most exclusive ticket packages available. Visit onlocationexp.com forward slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. All right, Megan will be back for the Friday pod. I've got a couple very special guests, I think, lined up. A former teammate of mine uh, is supposed to be coming on. And just, hey, the Super Bowl setting the stage for this thing. Sam, you heard about how overwhelming that is. I always tell the story, when you get to the Super Bowl, you never feel alone. Like even in your room, you lock the door, you latch it. There's a buzz outside that you just cannot describe. You can feel it, you can hear it. There's people crowded around your hotel. There's helicopters in the air. It really feels like you're a fucking fugitive a little bit and you're like holed up somewhere. So for these guys, it's pretty interesting getting to talk to a dude who just had that big meeting that we talked about where they lay out all the logistics for the week, which takes three hours. You got tickets, you got the whole thing. Very nice of him to actually pop on the pod and give us 20, 30 minutes of his time. I'm telling you, it is a fucking whirlwind and you don't get a lot of your free time. So thank you, Sam Hubbard. And uh, we'll talk some more Super Bowl Thursday. Oh, oh, oh. 